0: Um, While he's coming, Lord, we just ask that you would bless our brother. We thank you, God, for the message that you've placed on his heart. And we ask you, Lord, that you would use those words like arrows, God, that hit our hearts. We want to be changed by your word. We want to be encouraged by your word. We want to be strengthened. We love you, Jesus, and we'll take what you have to give us today. Amen.
1: Thank you. Uh, We're going to be in John chapter uh, 12, verse 24. Uh, throwing some curveballs here earlier, Pastor, uh, inter, you know, brought me up and we kind of high fived. I don't feel like I'm really ready because we're kind of tag teaming. I got the first 20 minutes, and then our pastor will be coming up. But I was, yes, it's two hours. I get 20 minutes. <coughs> Perfectly okay with that. But I was thinking after your tag team, if we do more of this, we should go to like the 70s and 80s wrestling. We need a uni, we need oh, a uniform. Okay. So, <laughs> I want to. I'd personally like to be Hulk Hogan, and uh, work my, <laughs> I'll work on my, I'll Im- work on my imitation of uh, Hulk Hogan. But we do have the gray pants going on, and my wife would like for me to point out that we're actually twinning today. I left early this morning with my blue shirt on, and she walked in, and she said, twinning is winning, so I got to point that out. Isn't that sweet? Ugh. All right, so I want us to take, I, wanna, I want us to roll back the pages of the history book here to the late 1960s to the early 70s. Our uh, country was ravaged with war, well-known, the Vietnam War. There was a lot of contention, a lot of death, a lot of dying soldiers were coming home maimed. It was just a really ugly period in the history of our country. On top of that, there was a tremendous amount of division. There was division among blacks and whites. There was division among the elderly and the young. There were the divisions between the haves and the have-nots. The entire country was in war with one another, and it was political and personal division that was pervasive across our country, okay? But underneath that, there was a surge, there was a pressure, there was an a underlying wave about to take place, and it landed in, uh, in the western part of our country, in California, which is now known as the Jesus Movement. Jesus was doing a tremendous work among the hippies in the midst of cynicism and chaos and destruction and death. The icons like Jimi Hendrix and Morrison were dying from drugs and people had bought wholeheartedly into this message that life is all about pursuing sex, drugs, and rock and roll. And they were hopeless and they were helpless and their icons were dying. And Jesus came on the scene. And he crashed upon the hearts of the least likely, the hippies in California. And in the time of recorded history, no, in 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 the entire time of recorded history, more people came to Jesus and were baptized in the faith of Jesus through the Jesus movement of the hippies of the 1970s. I want to propose to you this morning that as we think about a covenant. As we think about signing on to Jesus' work for the year of 2019, I want us to think for a moment, maybe this is just a small step to something much bigger. Maybe this is just a step towards something grander. Maybe the signing of the covenant and our commitment to the covenant and our yielding to the covenant over 2019 could possibly bring us to the threshold of another Jesus movement or revelation. Our text this morning is in John chapter 12, verse 24, and I'm reading from the message. Listen carefully. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground and dead to the world, it's never more. Unless a grain of wheat is buried in the ground, dead to the world, it's never any more than a grain of wheat. But if it's buried, it sprouts, it reproduces itself many times over and over and over. I'd like to suggest that what we really need is an encounter, a fresh encounter with Jesus Christ. Go back to the first time that the Spirit of God moved on your heart and your soul. Do you remember just the awe-inspiring God? We've sung about the Alpha and the Omega, the man who took nothing and breathed everything into existence, and the birds of the air, and the fish in the seas, and the planet set in a precise order, the perfect distance from the sun, that we would have life here on this planet called Earth. Fast forward, Jesus is woven and the Spirit of God is woven all throughout history. We come to the book of Revelations and he's sitting on the throne and they're singing, holy, 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 and we know he's going to come again and we know he's going to bring his own to himself and that he's going to sit on the great white throne of judgment and everybody will appear before him and give an account for every word spoken and every deed done. I want to propose to you this morning that the covenant is about an encounter with a high and a holy God. The word covenant is a Hebrew word called karat. And when God wanted to do business with his people, it meant that there would be a shedding of blood that people would bring their offerings, and they would bring their cows, they would bring their lambs, they would bring their sheep, they would bring their doves, and the high priest and the priest would set it up on the altar, and they literally slice it in half, and they'd separate it, and the streets were pouring with blood, and in response to that covenant and in obedience to that covenant that you would walk down those streets pouring with blood, sometimes ankle high, so that when you hit the end and you spent the rest of the day walking around the neighborhood and visiting friends and weeks later, the hem of your garment was stained with the blood of the covenant. And I want to believe that when we sign a covenant, it's not about us adding something to our lives. It's about us standing before a high And holy God, who commands us to be holy as he is holy. And he wants to carve. He wants to cut away. And he wants to bring those things that aren't useful to us and to him in the work of his kingdom. And he wants to separate and divide as a surgeon with a scalpel starts to dig deep because he knows he's got to get down to the gangrene. He's got to get down to where the disease is. He's got to cut it out if there's any hope. For life and peace and joy. I know in my own life, when God worked in my life, it was precisely that: that it was an encounter with a holy God. And I remember one of the first few times that I opened up the Bible, I came to the book of Isaiah, and I came across these words: Doom. It's doomsday. I'm as good as dead. Every word I've spoken is tainted, blasphemous, even. The idea here is I am completely undone. I am completely unraveled. It's as if God would come and take the shirt off my back and just rip it. He'd find that little tag and he'd take it, and my shirt would completely unravel and be a pile of nothing but the thread or the cotton laying on the ground. I want to ask you this morning have you had that encounter? Have you met with that kind of God? Have you come face to the face with the Holy of Holies? Have you had that moment on your knees before Him where He initiated a covenant of life with you, but it meant that you were going to be doomed? It meant that you were going to be undone. It meant that everything in your life about who you are and your ideas and your hopes and your dreams and your agendas all this came crashing down and was completely unraveled and undone before you see i lived the ways of the world much like many of you the rules of the game are this pursue pleasure and avoid pain life motto another rule of the game is look out for number 1 he who has the most toys wins. These are the things that the Spirit of God brings to bear and enlightens and shines his light on and shows us. There's Dave, there's just too much world in you. I have a life and I have a purpose for you, but there's just too much worldliness in you. And then I find myself when he's doing a renewed work in my life that my sins or my prayers of repentance are no longer wholesale. You know those when you're in a rush and you get up and you got your Bible app and you're going to read about five minutes and your prayer is, God, forgive me for my many sins. You know that wholesale prayer? I told God, I told God I'm a sinner. I asked forgiveness for my many sins. But when God renews his covenant in my life and in our lives and in the church of the life, the confession becomes much more specific. For example, Dave, that was a harsh word that you spoke to your wife. Riding around with my son, say something I shouldn't say. Do something I shouldn't do. Dave, it's not the best example for your child. Dave, you could be a little more loving. Dave, you can you need to deal with the jealousy and envy of your life as you compare your status to that of others. Dave, you got to deal with bitterness and anger and resentment over the past. Things that you need to let go of, things you wish you had but didn't. People that you wish you had in your life that weren't there. And God gets much more specific in terms of my confession of sin. Why? Because He wants to bring cleansing to our lives. I want us to think about a man by the name of Naaman. He was a general, tremendous power, tremendous influence. He'd simply give the command, and thousands would go and do His bidding. Because he was a general, he had a lot of money. Keep in mind, he went into other countries and he was able to capture and basically rob and steal the wealth of other countries. This man had power, he had position, he had profit, he had everything that the world had to offer, but he had one issue that he couldn't deal with, he couldn't conquer, he couldn't command his armies to conquer, and it was something called leprosy. And only a few people knew that he wasn't whole, and only a few people around him knew that he was not strong, but he was weak, that he wasn't the general that he had made himself out to be, but in fact he was actually going to become a victim of a disease that he couldn't face or couldn't conquer. Word got to him that there was an opportunity for healing if he met with Elijah, so he Packed up the best that he had, and he rounded up his best soldiers, and he took the trap, and he came out to the door of Elijah, and he knocked on the door of Elijah, and Elijah did one of these peeks out the window of his hut, and he sent his certified nursing assistant out. And the general was livid, and he could no longer hear God. In fact, he was angry at Elijah and he was angry at the message that God had given him for healing and wholeness. And he threw a temper tantrum and marched off in the opposite direction. And a servant tracked him down and said, listen, if God asked you to do something extraordinary, would you not have obeyed him? Would you have not gone through the ropes or the hoops to receive that healing? And he said, yes. And he did a U-turn leprosy and all and he went down and he bathed himself seven times in the river and on the seventh time he came up and his skin was that of a newborn baby we all have leprosy I know in my own life my first encounter with Jesus Christ and being saved there was a tremendous weight of His holiness and brokenness in my life but I recognize that's just the beginning of a process, a process of being broken and emptied, filled, directed, used, and in the end, blessed. I want to propose to you this morning that when we think about the covenant and we think about joining in and signing on to Jesus' work in 2019, that we think about brokenness, we think about no more excuses like Naaman. We push the temper tantrum aside and we understand that God has clearly spoken to us and He's given us the word and He's given us the message of healing and hope and joy and peace everlasting. Now, some of you are probably like me and you run, the timing's wrong got too much good things going on in my life. I'm not willing to make that sacrifice. I don't know about you, but I'm afraid of God. I'm afraid of what he's going to ask of me. And my constant struggle with God is what I have in my hand in this world, which is really good, and what he's offering that I can't see, and I'd have to walk by faith and not by sight. In the old days, the shepherd, if he had a sheep that tend to wander and stray and not stay close by and get off near the woods where the wolves are. In the old days, the shepherd would walk out and leave the 99 to find the one. And when he found that one, he would scoop it up and he would inspect it and make sure that there was nothing wrong, that it hadn't been harmed, this one wandering, straying sheep, and he would literally snap the leg. Bless you. And that sheep would wail and cry under the agony of the pain that the shepherd had snapped its leg. And that shepherd would get down and mix mix some herbs and some spices and some oils and rub that oil and that medicine on the broken bone of that sheep and maybe even wrap it and put a splint in. But what's amazing is the shepherd knew that he had broken the sheep's foot or leg and that that sheep could no longer walk. And so that shepherd would scoop that sheep up and throw it over his shoulders. I've broken a couple of bones in my life and it takes about four weeks just for it to get tacky. It takes about six to eight weeks to heal. And that shepherd would carry that sheep with the broken leg for as long as he had to to get the place where that sheep, when he set it down, could stand and walk on its own. But over the period of that time, that sheep's head was resting on the shepherd's heart. he could feel the warmth of the shepherd. That sheep would hear and learn the voice of the shepherd. He realized the shepherd was calling out all the other sheep by name to follow him. And ultimately, when he put that sheep down on the ground and it sturdied its legs and he swatted it that sheep wouldn't go more than about four or five feet from the shepherd. Everywhere that shepherd went that sheep was right there. I want to propose to you this morning that signing a covenant really a confession of being that sheep. I want to propose to you this morning that if you're wandering and straying, you have the opportunity to come to him on your own. But remember, he loves you entirely too much to leave you as you are. All right, brother, I'm going to pass it off to you.
0: Many of you might ask, brokenness, it's a strong word. And uh, it's another way of saying humility. Um, You say, why, why is brokenness necessary? It's necessary because of this. Who I think I am is different than who God says I am. And we often come to God with our own expectations of what it is that I'm going to do for God. And have you ever had the Lord change that on you? I know I have. Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, God says very plainly what it is that He's created you and me for. He says it very plainly. Exodus chapter 19, verse 6, God says, Although the whole earth is mine. You see that? Who owns everything? Who owns every galaxy? Come on, that's not a trick question. God? Okay, gotcha. God owns every galaxy. Who owns every star? God. He owns it all. Who owns the planet Earth? God. It's all his. It's all his. And he says, "Although the whole thing is mine." That's right. He goes, "Yet you will be for me." You hear that? Do you hear that divine de- that that divinely marked out destiny? God has got in those words, God has literally set you apart and above. Everything else that he made, although the whole earth is mine, you will be for me. Friends, that ought to make your heart start skipping beats. The God of the universe has put his eye on you. He's put his hand on you. He says, I'll trade the whole thing for you. I'll give the whole thing up every galaxy, every star, a whole thing, forget it all, you're mine. And he says, you will be for me a holy nation and a royal priesthood of, a kingdom of priests. Let's break that down real quick. Holy means set apart for a special purpose. We just said that. God set you apart. You're mine. I got the whole thing's mine, but you're mine. Why did God set you and me apart? What's our special purpose? That you would be a kingdom of priests. Well, what's a priest? I think we should understand what a priest is, because that's what God set me apart for. That's what God set you apart for, to be a priest. What's it mean to be a priest? See, we think priest is the guy with the funny hat and the, and the, and the funny shirt. That's not the priest. Priest is, a, priest is about a job. Priest is about, is about a privilege, and, and it's this. A priest is someone who represents the needs of people before God. That's different in the Bible than a prophet. Prophets and priests, they work together, sort of like two sides of the same coin in a sense. The prophet speaks to people for God. The prophet speaks on God's behalf to people. The priest speaks on the people's behalf to God. You are... Some of us do have the gift of prophecy. We have prophets among us. That's awesome. Collectively, however, we are a kingdom of priests. My first responsibility, my first privilege is to actually represent the needs and the issues of the world around me and take those directly. You have access. I have access. I take those directly right into the very throne room of heaven. The God of the universe goes, oh, wait a second, wait a second. Rob's talking about his neighbors right now. What is that, Rob? I'm I'm hearing you, buddy. I'm hearing you. I got you. You hear that? You have that privilege. Because God has set you apart and called you a priest. Love that. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, it says the weapons that we fight with are not the weapons of the world. You know why? Because our weapons actually work. The only thing that the weapons of the world does is destroy. That's it. The weapon you and I fight with is the only thing that has the capacity to set everybody free. 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 6 says love never fails in other words you want something you want a weapon that wins every single time would you like a 100% success rate love love never fails that's what you and I are called to we're called to represent the problems and the needs of this world before the God of the universe and we win every time It's mind-blowing. In 2 Samuel, the prophet Samuel had the privilege of being um, there when Saul was crowned as the first king of Israel. And Samuel, he uh, was the, really one of the premier prophets of Israel. And here's what Samuel said on Saul's coronation day. And it's very powerful. Look at what he said. He said, for the sake of his great name, The Lord will not reject his people. That's good news. Because the Lord was pleased to make you his own. As for me, and this is Samuel speaking now. He goes, as for me, Samuel, far be it from me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. See, Samuel's a prophet, but he also saw himself as a priest. His job, yes, was to speak to people, but he also saw his privilege as speaking to God. And he saw a failure to pray as sin. Far be it from me to sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. I wonder how many of us have lived in sin. We've failed to pray for our families. We've failed to pray for our nation. We've failed to pray for our president, for our governor. We have failed to pray for our bosses and our teachers and our neighbors. Why would that be a sin? Will you understand the high calling that's been placed on your life? Could I go back to Exodus 19.6? Why did God set you apart? What's the special purpose? To be a priest. I'm, very, I'm, I'm here for that very purpose. To represent And I propose to you that what the devil wants to do is get you and me complaining about everything. Because when we're complaining about it all, we're not praying. He actually steals your divine destiny by getting you to gripe and complain. New River Church, God set us apart for this holy purpose that we would not only represent him to this world but that we represent the world around us to him this is our divine calling this is our divine privilege prayer for us is not a last resort it's our first option amen it's something that we're growing in as a church when we sign to this covenant i say why why brokenness is necessary as dave said it's so necessary you know why because brokenness breaks us of our self-sufficiency. When I'm broken, I recognize my need for God. The truth is, uh, the truth is, I got nothing to offer to this world. Like I don't have anything slick. I don't have anything. I don't have a million dollars. I, I don't. I don't have mega talents. I don't have a cool laser show. I don't. I don't have what do i have to offer to manchester in the region beyond all i got's jesus that's brokenness recognizing that everything i have is filthy rags but i got jesus and I have this divine calling placed on my life and this awesome privilege placed on my life that I have access to the God of the universe. I got access to the God of the universe. We got access to the God of the universe. Are you hearing me? You got access. The keys have been handed to you. The door's wide open. You got access. You, my friend, are the only hope this world has and if you don't take their needs before the God of the universe who will they're dying waiting for you and me to step into the calling that God's placed on us as a kingdom of priests and as a holy nation brokenness is necessary why because I'm not supposed to look like everybody else They're the ones that are miserable, not me. Shoot, my dad's the king of the universe. Are you kidding me? I got nothing to be miserable about. They're the ones without hope, not me. I got the hope. What the heck? Why am I wandering around? Miserable, man. Come on, you got access. So New River Church, it's time for us to step into the destiny that God's called for us. You with me? That's what this document's for. It says we're going to do this together. It says we're better together than we are apart. It says that just by myself, I'm just Doug Rouse. That's it. But together with you, I actually have a voice. I can actually start doing something in this place. That's what that says. And so we join in together to do it. That's what the covenant is. It's Membership in the church is not about sitting in a pew and like, oh, right, see, I'm a member over there. That's That's useless. That really is useless in the grand scheme of things but what does give the devil a headache what does make hell start to shake to its knees is when a group of people like you and me get on our knees and start praying and take our destiny seriously God's calling us to something awesome and friends when you and I step into that this whole place starts to change this whole place starts to change You'll start to see marriages put back together again, homes put back together again. You'll start to see bodies broken, healed. You'll start to see people's lives completely transformed, drunks, healed, sober, drug addicts, clean. You're going to start to see it. Come on. That's the destiny. But it starts with you and me on our knees. And it starts with us broken, like Dave said. Because right? Not about us. not about us okay so um so i got one more word okay Woo! one more word ready ready here it is okay here's the word um new river new river is our name and our name implies our destiny uh rivers rise and when a river rises other things get wet God, I propose to you that in 2019, God wants to bring increase to New River Church because in bringing increase to New River Church, he brings increase to the world around us. There's one thing New River Church has demonstrated in our 21 years of existence, and that's this. We give away whatever God gives to us. We've done that from the very beginning. We've planted three other churches. We've given away hundreds of people. We're glad to give away other people to other churches. We've done that before, too helped get them started, helped get them going, had no problem with it. If you came to me today and you said, you know, Doug, God's calling me to go to this other church and help them out, we'd 100% support you. How do I know that? Because we've done it many times before. It's not a new thing. We've written checks to other churches. we funded their ministries. Matter of fact, just this very week, we wrote another check to River of Life Church to help build their building. You know that? That's right. Why? Because we actually believe that we're not the only show in town. And we actually mean it. God brings increase to us, and he brings increase to others through us. We give away whatever God gives to us. It's just who we are. And so I declare that as the river rises, other things get wet too. God's intention is to bring increase to this church in 2019. And I'm excited about it, just a little bit. So I want to encourage you this morning... We're signing this covenant together to a year. Hey, it could be a hard year, right, Dave? We might be in, we might be in for some doozies, but I know this, that God's got it. And uh, whatever it takes for this region to know that there's a great God in town, that's what we want. Amen? Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, now I commit this covenant signing to you. We're yours, lock, stock, and barrel. And we pray your will be done in us and through us, 2019. In Jesus' name, amen. So, my wife and I already signed in the first service, so I'm not going to sign it again. But if I hadn't, I'd be the first to sign it in this service. So, I'm going to, you know, Harless, you're right there. you be the first. Let's stand up. And uh, as we sing, the worship team going to lead us in singing. And as we worship together, uh, you come on up and sign. The only, the only requirement we have about signing this is this. Sign neatly. This is not the Declaration of Independence. We want to be able to actually read your signature so that we can print it, OK? That's the only, only requirement we have on you signing this document today. So let's worship and you sign.
1: You're the name above all names